This life-changing message comes to you from Church of the Harvest. It's our prayer that this message will inspire your life and bring hope to your future. Anyway, guys, we've been talking the, um, the last, couple of, uh, last, last couple of weeks, and as I said, it has been more... Um, it's been more of a discussion, hasn't it? I've been kind of, you, you guys know me, I, I like things laid out in my ducks in a row, and I like to have three or four points, and, and I like to teach, but, but I've really, really been more just kind of sharing my heart for where I see things going and changes and shifts that have got to be made. And, and so, uh, if you're new with us, uh, that, that's kind of what we're continuing today. And as, as Church of the Harvest, we're just a, we're a family of believers. Uh, we, um, as I always say, we're a small expression of the body of Christ. We love God. We love people. We serve the world by being the hands and feet of Jesus. Uh, the vision of harvest, can anybody say it yet? <laughs> That's it. <laughs> vision of harvest, to make, grow, and equip followers of Jesus to fulfill their God-given purpose in life. And how do we do that, Mr. Michael? Three things. Through community, discipleship. And outreach, right? And those are the things that I started focusing on last couple of weeks. And, and you know, I, I told you guys that, you know, I, we're definitely, I think, as not just as a church, as the church. We are, uh, we are in a new season. And uh, last couple of weeks I told you, I, you know, I hope that over, especially over the last year, I hope you realize some things. I hope you realize the most important things in this life. There was a lot of things we thought were important. Most important things are God and people. Most important things in this life. Hope you realize that the physical things in this life are temporary and they can disappear in a moment. Hopefully that helped you to focus on those things that are truly important. Hopefully when it came to the church, you realize that, that buildings and properties are tools. They're good, but they're tools. And they too can disappear. But I hope you also realize that God's mandate for his church has not changed. His plan for your life, it hasn't changed, it hasn't shifted. Your expectations have shifted. What you've expected has shifted. Our methods might have to shift a little bit to stay in line with what God's called us to, but his mandate hasn't changed, right? And so, uh, just, uh, just trying to, uh, you know, as a quick recap, I told you that, that new seasons bring challenges, they bring changes, they bring challenges, but they also bring new opportunities, Right? They bring fresh starts, and the new seasons are inevitable, and we don't tend to like them because they're unusual and uncomfortable, and, you know, they, they, they stretch us, but new seasons bring challenges. Even the best seasons of our lives bring challenges. The good news is that God is on our side, and he has overcome the world, so we don't have to worry, and we don't have to fret. So if we can just stop looking at the circumstances and the problems and the trials and the pain, we might just see all these new opportunities and open doors that God has placed before us. Amen? So we talked about how I believe that alarms have been going off in the body of Christ for a long time, especially for the church in America, but we've wanted to keep on sleeping. We've heard people mention the church, and we thought of a physical location, we thought of an address. We thought of a place where we could go that we enjoyed and we could get something out of. I've heard people say, well, I left that church because I just wasn't getting anything out of it recently. Really? What did JFK say? Ask not. <laughs> you guys remember that? 
what did he say? Ask not what, you can, what your country can do for you, but what you can do for your country, right? What is our mindset as we come in to the church family? We came to this point where I think the church in America felt that those people that were in professional ministry were the ones that were called to do the work of ministry in the world. Wrong. Wrong. We've missed the point. Talked about how it's gotten in, in, in America to the point where people just shop for church families to be part of. They, they shop for churches. But the reality is, you are the church. And the church is a family. And we're to be dedicated to our family. We don't just disconnect and quit speaking and leave when things get tough. We don't just disconnect. We come together and we work to run hard after the mission that God has given us. So as part of the Church of the Harvest family, again, what is it? Let's put it back up on the screen. Our vision is to make, grow, and equip followers of Jesus. Y'all say it with me. To make, grow, and equip followers of Jesus to fulfill their God-given purpose in life. How do we accomplish it? Through community, discipleship, and outreach. And as I told you guys last week, going after people, walking with them, equipping them, it's a process. It takes time and it's in, it takes energy and it's messy sometimes, isn't it? But it's totally worth it. How many of you can remember somebody who came alongside you when you were a mess? And you were down and out. And you were not at a strong point. And somebody came along and spoke the right words to you and held you accountable and encouraged you and lifted you up. Guys, that's what we're called to do. Amen? We read a few weeks ago from Acts chapter 2 and talked about how this simple the early church was. And they, they truly loved God and they truly loved people. They served their world as the hands and feet of Jesus. They knew who they were. They knew what they were called to do. And that's great. But the key is they dedicated their lives to fulfilling it. We as the church, many times we know who we are. We've sat in church our whole lives, a lot of us. And technically we know what we're called to do. But it's the doing part that we miss out on so often. And here's the thing. As I said, I see the early church is so simple. But the binding physical element in everything they accomplished, it was community, guys. They were tight-knit. They were together. They were of one voice, right, of one heart. They were all going after the same purpose. Doesn't mean they didn't have some issues. Early church was messy sometimes, right? They had some disagreements. But community is what bound them together. We talked last week about how 1 Corinthians chapter 12 says we are all part, members of one body, Right? Very diverse family, different giftings, different talents, different perspectives, right? But these things should not be a hindrance. They should be a strength to us. Because we're all sons and daughters of one heavenly father. So with that in mind, we've got to remember that we need to unite as the body of Christ, looking past our differences and walking together to accomplish God's purposes. That's why I said a few weeks ago, I really would like for us to stop calling ourselves members of Church of the Harvest. We are members of the family of God. 
Now, you may have chosen to become part of the family here at Church of the Harvest, and we may be your close family in the body of Christ, but that doesn't mean we're any better than any other part of our family, right? We've just chosen to come together with like mind and like purpose to accomplish God's mandate for humanity. And yes, it's messy sometimes. We won't always be happy. We won't always agree. And sometimes we won't even seem like we're getting along real well. But we're family. We're family. We recognize that we're stronger together, even in our differences, than we are individually. We've chosen, we've made the choice to link arms into life together. As we pursue community, I told you last week, one of the best ways as a member of Church of the Harvest for you to fulfill that is through our community connections. Last fall, we began providing ways uh, for you to connect and meet up with other families. We allowed opportunities for you to be mentored by another person. We allowed commu- there are community meetups where you can meet up with other families. But community groups are the best place for you to find community, for you to be discipled and to help disciple others, and as a source of outreach to others. And I mentioned to you to accomplish this goal, quick recap of what we talked about in community groups, talked about how Starting next month, our community groups are no longer going to be semester-driven. Instead, they're going to be ongoing. We need time to truly build family relationships. And so we're going to go after that. We talked about how group leaders are going to be more facilitators than anything else. They're going to facilitate the group, and they're going to facilitate spiritual growth within each group. And the goal, though, the goal would be to have the entire family interacting, connecting, and contributing Because that's what we're called to do. And and really, I thought about this. It's funny. Really, it's a church within the church. You know how I talk every Sunday about how we're a small expression of the body of Christ as Church of the Harvest? Well, as a body, as Church of the Harvest, we're a church within the church. Right? Our small groups are a church within the church within the church. See what I'm saying? Talked about how our groups moving forward starting next month, we're not going to be as much topic-based as we're going to be people-based. So there may be some great things that you've got on your heart that you want to discuss this week in your community group, but if somebody shows up who is hurting or they're lonely or they're lacking or they're weary, their top priority above everything else. It's the focus is to minister to that person. Why? Because that's what family does. Family does. And if somebody shows up that doesn't have a relationship with Jesus, they most certainly come first. Scratch everything. Love on that person. Show them Jesus. Amen? So our groups will exist to build community, family, to give the opportunity to disciple and be discipled, and as a primary source of outreach. Guys, if you aren't reaching out, if you aren't inviting people to your community group, then you have totally missed the point. Because it's all about people. It's all about people. It will be a crying shame if anybody ever comes through the doors of this building as a guest and does not get invited to join together with other families. A couple last things. I mentioned I think every group needs to have a few older seasoned folks. Every group needs to have younger folks. I want to see folks discipling and mentoring one another. I want to see our community groups as families that truly support and take care of one another. I want us to make reproduction a priority. I want them to allow a place for people to share and to shine and even to step up and to lead. 
And in doing this, I believe that we are taking responsibility personally for our part in the body of Christ. We're taking responsibility for our part in the church. Not just going to church on a Sunday and expecting a pastor to be the one in our life that does the work of ministry. We are each called individually to carry out God's plan in the earth. And so that's how we're going to continue to shift and make community one of the top priorities moving forward, which will also overlap, like I said, in discipleship and outreach. But I want to talk a little bit more about discipleship today. And today when I refer to discipleship, I'm talking about opportunities that many times we make a choice, situations we place ourselves in where we can be stretched and grown into a more mature follower of Jesus, right? So that's the point of it all. <laughs> the more spiritually mature we are, the more influence we can have here and the greater impact we can make. Spiritual maturity should be the goal of every believer. Because here's what I know. When we talk about like I said a few minutes ago, professional ministry, we think about the five-fold ministry, right? We think about that. We think about apostles and prophets and evangelists and pastors and teachers, right? Do you know why they exist? Do you know why they're put in that position? It's to equip the saints for the work of ministry. That's the reason they exist. Seems to me we ought to be doing that. I'm going to read to you real quick. I'm going to read to you a couple of scriptures today that you guys are familiar with. I'm going to read to you. I look through many different versions. And so I'm going to read to you for a moment from um, uh, about the fivefold ministry, Ephesians chapter 4, uh, verses 11 and 12. But I'm going to read it to you from the Passion Translation. So, so listen to this or read along. It says, And he has appointed some with grace to be apostles, and some with grace to be prophets, some with grace to be evangelists, some with grace to be pastors, and some with grace to be teachers. And their calling is to nurture and prepare all the holy believers. Anybody in here a holy believer? All the holy believers. So nurture and prepare all the holy believers to do what? Their own works of ministry. As they do this, they will enlarge and build up the body of Christ. I love the way that's worded. Awesome perspective. Guys, this is the driving force between everything that I've been talking about for the last few weeks. The world is desperate for followers of God that will live as the hands and feet of Jesus. Desperate right now. Desperate. But can we get, can we get really real for a second? The problem is, especially in America today, it seems that Christ followers don't have a great deal of respect. <laughs> Seriously? You not see it, guys? I mean, I remember back in the day, remember when I was a little kid, I had family members that could barely call them Christians, but... Every time Billy Graham came on TV of one of them crusades, they had it on. That's what they watched. They honored and respected that. Right? Yeah, I don't think that would happen today. I don't think it happened. I don't think there's the respect and the honor of the body of Christ like there once was. And, you know, the really tough part in that 
is that I think much of that is our own doing. You know, I've had people tell me lately, we need to really start teaching from the pulpit on the end times. One, I don't think we're there yet. <laughs> I don't think the end is right in front of us. I think we got some more time, honestly. But I'll tell you where I'm at. As Christians, we got a lot of work to do, a tremendous amount of work to do. And I just want to see the body of Christ start getting their lives in order. I told somebody the other day, I, I, I'd love just to start off by seeing the body of Christ, see folks stop cussing out their spouse and flipping off people in traffic, cheating on their taxes, stealing from work, and then walking into church, putting on a, a virtual mask and acting like we got it all together. Guys, we will never make a difference like that. We'll never make a difference. The truth is, we should all be in the process of being spiritually matured and discipled. But it's not always the case. Let me read you another scripture you're familiar with. Romans chapter 12. I'm going to read it to you from the New American Standard. And it's very similar to what you've heard before. Therefore, I urge you, brethren, by the mercies of God, to present your bodies, your life, as a living and holy sacrifice, acceptable to God, which is your spiritual service of worship. That's your worship, right? Presenting your life as a living sacrifice. And then verse 2, what's it say? And do not be conformed to this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind so that. What happens when you renew your mind? What happens when you're transformed? So that you may prove what the will of God is, that which is good and acceptable and perfect. Guys, Paul is suggesting here that if you're not being transformed by God's renewing power, then you're being conformed by forces that are opposed to God's will, right? There, there, there's no sitting still as a believer. You're either conforming or you're being transformed. It's time for the church to be transformed. It's time for the family to jump all in. By our transformed lives, we should prove to the world that God loves us. And that he desires for all humanity to come into relationship with him. And he even paid the price for it. Anybody remember the story? Our lives should display this. And it says, it, it says there to prove what the will of God is. Well, how do we know what God's will is? Where do we, where do we learn what God's will is? Well, well, primarily through his word, right? That's why one of the major components of your discipleship as you're growing into a more mature believer should be that consistent, constant digging into the Word of God to know Him more and to walk more closely with Him, right? And I think this is huge because the church in America, guys, it's questioning its identity right now. And we're not going to make it anywhere as long as we're sitting by and we don't know who we are. I think in the midst of the current circumstances, 
the body of Christ, many are asking common questions. What does God expect of his children? What does God want me to look like as a believer in the world today, in the, in the current climate of the world today? How am I to act and react in situations? How do I respond in the midst of turmoil? You know, the funny thing is I thought about those questions. And those questions are, the answers to those questions are the same as the much simpler questions that we have in life. Like, how am I supposed to treat my spouse when we don't agree? How am I supposed to raise my children? What is a Christian supposed to look like in the, in the workplace? But I found that so many Christians don't understand these basic things because they haven't been discipled and they haven't chosen to seek after discipleship. But we're going to work on that. Amen? And I think there's a reason that the church in America today seems to really be more on the defensive in recent years than anything else. Seems to be trying to catch up. Guys, sometimes the, the church can look weak and frail in our society. It's not who we're called to be. Mamsy pamsy, as Dr. Leon would say. Tiptoeing around. And really, I think this boils down to two things. I think there's two reasons for this. One, we haven't been discipled. We don't know who we are and the authority we've been given. Or secondly, we've known the truth, but we are absolutely satisfied with living in a place of compromise. I told you guys, Sean and I, I've, I've told this, said this before, Sean and I have done a lot of premarital counseling and, and we've been disappointed during premarital counseling enough times that now we expect that couples that we're counseling, whatever the age, they're having relations, right? Having sex outside of marriage. Kids that have been raised in the church, people who have been in church leadership. Guys, the Bible tells us it's sin. Plain and simple, right? And look, we all mess up. The problem is when we make excuses for it, for our sin in our lives. So I've heard people respond to that and say, well, brother, that was written a long time ago and it's different times. Compromise. Well, brother, God has a lot of other things to worry about than whether or not I'm compromise. Well, brother, we're getting married anyway in just a few weeks. Compromise. It's a voice of compromise. You're not taking God seriously. And I'm not trying to condemn anybody. Come on. But stop it. Stop it. Cut it out. You're a follower of Jesus. Own it. Repent. Move forward. And, and frankly, just being honest, that's, that's the least of my concerns in the body of Christ right now. <laughs> I just use it as an example because it's easy and it's so rampant. Okay. But in many ways, we have compromised to the point 
to where we're no longer a shining beacon of hope and light in the world. We've compromised and compromised and compromised. And we look no different than the world. Our lives look exactly the same as the atheists in the cubicle next to us, except we might go to a building called the church once every couple of weeks for an hour and a half on a Sunday morning. Why would they want that? Guys, people want to see something real. Even if they totally disagree with you and hate you, there is a certain level of respect that you stick by your guns and you live what you say. Uh, the divorce rate in the church is almost the same as the world. Actually, and <laughs> I forgot about this. I wrote this down the other, yesterday. There was a Barna research study a few years ago that showed, that reported that the non-denominational church, non-denominational Christians led the stats in the body of Christ. And we think we got it all together because we got the Holy Ghost. Right? Again, I'm not trying to condemn you. You're divorced or remarried or whatever else. I'm, I'm not, not, not at all. No condemnation. But it's time for us to grow up and to seek after God and, and get discipled and disciplined and to invest in others and make a change. 1 Peter 2.9, you guys know this. I'm going to read it from the English Standard, and then I'm going to read it from the Passion Translation. But you, somebody say me. This is what God says. You are a chosen race. You are a royal priesthood. You are a holy nation. You are a people for his own possession. For what? That you may proclaim the excellencies of him who called you out of darkness and into his marvelous light. Right? But look at this from the Passion Translation. I love this. You are God's chosen treasure, priests who are kings, a spiritual nation set apart as God's devoted ones. Are you one of God's devoted ones? He called you out of darkness to experience his marvelous light, and now he claims you as his very own. And he did this so that you would broadcast his glorious wonders throughout the world. This is who we're called to be, the shining beacon of hope, declaring God's glorious wonders to all the earth. He called us to walk out of darkness and into the light. We have to know what this means and get serious about making a change in our lives. Guys, our lives should broadcast his glorious wonders even if they, whoever they is, even if they try to silence us, even if they try to take away our voice. The way we live, the way we live our lives should be evidence of the goodness of our God. But I don't believe that's the norm today. And so I would ask you, what do people see when they look at your life? What do they see when you respond to trials, they see anger and unforgiveness and bad attitudes and selfishness. What about worry and doubt? Do you know worry and doubt is sin for the believer? How do people hear you talking about your spouse, about your boss? What are the words they hear coming out of your mouth? Do you choose to put people first? As believers, the world should view us. They should see us. They should see in us 
unwavering trust and devotion in our God. That will change the world. They should see a godly example of relationships, especially marriage. Guys, your coworkers should know what to expect in a moment when you're given a choice. They should know that you're going to make the righteous one. If they've been around you long enough, they should know that you're not going to compromise. Even if everybody else does, even if the pressure is on, even if they compromise, that you're not going to do it. Nope, not doing it. Standing firm. They need to see us lifting up those in authority over us. They need to know that we will never badmouth or speak negatively against them. They need to see us as the hardest workers in our workplace. They need to see they need to see that we're people of our word, that our yes is yes and our no is no. And again, guys, we are by no means perfect, but we are called to live a life above reproach. And if we're going to make a difference in the world, I believe that's the starting point. When we mess up, we own it. We confess it. We repent it. We repent of it. And then we continue on. And look, we're going to, we're going to talk about the fruit of the Spirit in the coming weeks. Right? We, we sometimes like to talk more about the gifts of the Spirit than the fruit of the Spirit. The fruit of the Spirit is a foundation for the gifts of the Spirit, guys. If we don't have that, that's going to crumble. We're going to talk about the fruit of the Spirit some, because the church needs the fruit of the Spirit uh, like never before. The fruit of the Spirit is what attracts people to Jesus, his love. It's also how people know you're a believer, right? Jesus said it. Matthew 7, 20, they will recognize them by what? By their fruits. By how you act, by how you react, by the thoughts, by the words that come out of your mouth, by the way you treat people. How many of you have ever met somebody? Uh, maybe just briefly. Maybe it was a waiter or a waitress or maybe it was... I don't know, someone on an elevator or somebody, but you walked away and you turned to your spouse or somebody with you and you went, I bet they're a Christian. You know when you experience that sometimes? Just because they just exude the love of Jesus. You didn't have time to get to know them. You didn't know their background, didn't know their history, but you walked away going, they're a, they're a Christ follower. Guys, that's what people should experience when they're around us. They should walk away going, something's different about them. Or if they're a believer, they should say, their family, they know Jesus, right? John 15, 16, Jesus said, you did not choose me, but I chose you and I appointed you to do what? You should go bear fruit, that your fruit should abide. He goes on another spot to say that you bear much good fruit. How many of you know we're either bearing good fruit or bad fruit in our lives, right? You're bearing fruit. You're our tree. There is fruit coming out. You ever seen a nasty fruit tree with all shriveled up, you know? Yeah. Yeah. I don't, that's not what he's asking us to be. Bear good fruit. John 15, 8, but just back a few verses, it says, By this my Father is glorified. I love that the verse starts like that. Jesus says, this is how my Father is glorified. You want to glorify my Father? This is how you do it. That you bear much fruit. And in doing so, prove to be my disciple. Guys, why do we exist in the earth? We exist to bring glory to the Father. That is what it's about. 
How do we do that? By bearing much good fruit in our lives. We have got to chase after discipleship. We have got to be discipled to become mature believers. But here's the thing. We have to each individually take responsibility for our discipleship. We've got to determine to make it a priority. And you may not realize this, but it starts at home. It starts with taking time to get into God's word and to pray and to worship. It continues with being a part of a Christian community, part of a family of believers where you can be stretched and grown and challenged. As I said, community will play a, a big part in, in equipping and discipling. And as I discussed earlier, our community groups are going to be a big step forward in accomplishing that. Through re- gathering regularly with group believers, we will find community. We will be discipled and have the opportunity to disciple others. And we will reach out to others as well, making people feel loved and safe and bringing them into the fold. Uh, we want it to be a safe place where people can come and feel uh, received and loved into the body of Christ. And, and like I said last week, if there's one request I would have for you as a, as, as a part of the family of Church of the Harvest, I would ask you to be involved in a community group starting next month. But as I said last week, I told you I was going to talk on it further. I told you that we're, we're not just going to throw our old format out the window. We're not going to throw the baby out with the bathwater. We're going to make a few shifts. And so here's what I'm going to start doing. Uh, Sunday mornings starting next month, uh, uh, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to shift a little bit. Now, last year, uh, we focused on the story, and most of the year was the Old Testament, right? I mean, makes sense. It's a lot longer, right? And guys, the Old Testament is important. We don't throw the Old Testament out. However, the New Testament is your story, and that's where you live today. The New Testament is where Christians are. Christians aren't mentioned before, right? Christ, Christian, New Testament. Get it? Yeah, thanks. So we weren't able to spend as much time on the New Testament. And the thing is, it's the New Testament that tells us how to, how, how to live our lives. It's the New Testament that tells us where to find hope. There's so many Christians right now that are so hopeless. It's the New Testament that tells us our mission plans for earth. It's the New Testament that gives us tools to live successfully and even tells us what to expect ahead. So, on Sundays in 2021, it's going to be our focus. What is a Christian? How are we to live in the earth today? What is our mission? How are we to be equipped? How do we accomplish this? We're going to spend a good amount of time in the epistles Guys, this is in the, the epistles as we were going through the New Testament, this is where the apostles taught the early believers how to mature, right? And to become mature followers of Christ. And, and really, I thought about this last night. It's really because they were willing to do that. They were willing to get out there and do the work of ministry. They were willing to share the love of Jesus with their neighbors. They were willing to walk with people and disciple them for years. They were willing to go and, and plant churches and, and, and write letters and, and do all these things. It's because of them that we're here today. God used them to turn the world upside down. Exactly the same way he wants to use us. So in the next month... We're going to start a new division of the ministry that we're calling Equipping You. Okay? So we got community groups. We're branching away from that. And we're starting a new part we're calling Equipping You. 
And under the umbrella of equipping you will be any form of equipping that Church of the Harvest provides outside of community groups. Okay? Does that make sense? So, for example, as I said in the past, community groups were more topic-based, right? So they were about marriage or healing or parenting or finances or evangelism or whatever it may be. We will continue to do that. But as I said a couple weeks ago, that's more of a class. So what we're going to do is under the umbrella of equipping you, we're going to offer equipping classes, okay? People who want to dig in. So we're going to continue with these classes in a similar format uh, as people step up and are willing to teach and and feel led to do so. And like I say, we're rebranding them under the Equipping You umbrella to be called Equipping Classes. There will be various equipping classes available throughout the year. Each year what we're going to do is, starting this year, we're going to have three semesters, three three three-month semesters. And so each time a semester starts which will probably be, it'll be next month. Each time a semester starts, there will be new equipping classes. The, equipping, the three-month period ends. Those equipping classes will end. Okay, make sense? Next semester starts, we'll start new ones. Maybe some of the same ones again, whatever. Um, and, and so on. So they'll follow, they'll follow that format. And so equipping classes, like I say, may be on marriage or parenting, healing, the gifts of the spirit, end times, finances, whatever it may be. And these are... To meant to help equip you for the work of ministry. They are not meant to replace community groups. Okay? I want community groups to still stay top priority. They're not meant to replace that, but they are meant to equip you. So those of you who are hungry and you're going, man, I want to go all out for God. We want to give you options and places, things you can go to, people's homes you can go to, or here at the church where classes will be offered for exactly what it is that you are needing and wanting to seek after in your life. So I would encourage you to, you know, it, it, again, if you have to do one or the other because of your work schedule or whatever it may be, I want you to focus on community groups. Because like I say, I believe the community groups, we can accomplish community discipleship and outreach. It's threefold. Uh, but I'd like for you to be involved in both. And, um, you know, this, these classes can be, can be valuable resources in your growth. And, and we do plan to continue offering uh, virtual options, streaming options uh, for the um, uh, equipping classes as well. So under the Equipping You umbrella, we'll have equipping classes. Under that umbrella, we are also pushing Sunday school under that. Okay? So we've been doing Sunday school for a while. It, too, is topic-based. It will remain topic-based. Uh, but it will, too, follow the three-semester format that our equipping classes do. So Sunday school starting next month will be three months long, and there will be three semesters uh, throughout the year. And so beginning next month, we'll start the first semester. Moving forward of Sunday school, we will be all about equipping for the work of ministry. That's the focus, okay? And so we're going to teach you four things. We're gonna teach you how to lead somebody to Jesus. We're going to teach you to lead somebody in freedom. We're going to teach you to lead somebody in healing. And we're going to teach you to walk with somebody in discipleship. That's what's needed. That's what we see the early church doing. That's what Sunday school is going to become about. Okay? And so, like I've said a number of times, if, if the church doors were ever closed again, I want to know beyond a shadow of a doubt that the work of ministry will continue without skipping a beat. 
So I want us to be equipped to do the work of ministry. So under the equipping you umbrella, we've got the equipping classes, we've got Sunday school. Uh, ministry school is under the equipping you umbrella. Uh, those of you who don't know, we have a two-year ministry school that uh, meets here on Tuesday nights. And um, they will not follow the three-semester um, uh, format. They will continue in the two-year format that we have been uh, following up until this point. Uh, the current class will graduate this spring. And, um, and yeah. <laughs> how many of you are part of the current class of ministry school? Lift your hands up high. It's a good group. So the current class will graduate this spring, and guys, if you really want in-depth teaching in the Word, uh, I encourage you to join our ministry school. It is a great source, resource for you to get equipped. Also, under the Equipping You umbrella, we're pushing our growth track under that. As I said, we're reworking the growth track. Right now, the growth track is going to be offered probably quarterly. Okay, y'all remember we used to do it every month. Um, we're going to make a shift. As, as Shauna said, we're going to start next month with 101. She and I are going to do 101. We're going to have lunch for whoever wants to come be a part, and we're going to dig into that. It will talk about our basic beliefs, how we're structured as a church family, and uh, it will give you the opportunity to uh, you know, make a decision if, if you feel like God is leading you to make um, uh, Church of the Harvest your, uh, your home, your, your church family within the body of Christ. Um, we will then, we're also going to offer 201. It'll be similar. It'll be after church like that as well uh, in, in the weeks following. It'll be about the habits of a believer, prayer in the word, fellowship and community, uh, living the spirit-led life, giving of yourself. And then we'll also offer class 301, which will help you discover your giftings and how you can use them in the body of Christ and beyond. And so, so that will be the umbrella of what we are going to call equipping you. So we'll still have our community connections, okay? Our Community connections will be community groups, mentoring, and, and community meetups. Our equipping you umbrella will be equipping classes, uh, Sunday school, ministry school. Okay? Everybody, is that a little bit clearer than mud? Yes? Getting, getting it? Okay. So, yeah, don't forget about our community connections. The mentoring and the meetups will still be available on your connection form. You can sign up for those, and somebody will reach out to you and contact you so you can uh, get to know other folks um, and, and that kind of thing. And, again, remember that we want community groups to remain the top priority. People need community, right? Now, the body of Christ, nobody in the body of Christ needs to be isolated and alone. Nobody. But community groups are the place where we can truly find community discipleship and outreach. And so in the next few weeks, we will announce and launch um, our community groups as a part of our community connections. And we will also launch that new division that we're calling called Equipping You, uh, where you can really dig deeper uh, in your discipleship process at your own pace uh, through equipping classes, through ministry school, and through Sunday school. And we'll begin um, announcing the launch of that in just a couple of weeks. And it's our desire, it, actually, if it's your desire to, uh, to start a group, please let us know. We, we do have some requirements, you know, of, of folks who want to lead those, but please come and see us. Uh, one of the, any one of the leaders, we will point you in the right direction because we, we, we need you. We need people at this point to stand up and take initiative. And I, I, we need that across the body of Christ right now. We need people to stand up and take initiative. Amen. But when it comes to these and what we're going to do, if you want to lead a community group, if you want to teach an equipping class on, like I say, whatever topic it may be, uh, guys, let us know. And uh, we, will, uh, we will get with you and help you on that and give you all the tools that are needed to, uh, to be successful in it. 
And so in closing, guys, as I said, for me, this is all about um, us all being equipped to take responsibility and do our part in the body of Christ. Not riding the bench, not riding the sidelines, being all in and devoting our lives to the Lord. And, and like I told you, I'll close with what I've told you the last two weeks. The word I heard the Lord say this, this year was, was that his people have been activated. We have been activated. And I, when I looked that up, I read you the definition the last two weeks, and I'll read it to you again. Uh, what the Army website says, talking about reserve soldiers. Activation is when an Army reserve soldier is called to serve in the reserves full time. Deployment is when soldiers are moved to a specific area of operations, usually in foreign, foreign soil. Guys, if you have repented and surrendered your life to Jesus, you have been activated and deployed on foreign soil. The question is, what will you do next? You've been given your orders. It's now up to us individually, amen, to do what we've been called to do. I told you last week with community, as we've talked about community, discipleship, outreach, as we talked about community, it's important since we've been deployed and, and, and since we've been activated and deployed, it's important that we know our comrades that we're standing together with, that we're doing battle with, that we're walking with in this life. It's important that we know each other, right? And so we have got to get involved in community. So let's build community. The Bible tells us that iron sharpens iron. Let's meet the needs of those around us. Let's walk together. Let's recognize that we are stronger together than we are individually. Let's reach out and invite others to be part of the journey as well. Next, let's jump in and let's choose to be equipped to do what God has called us to do. And guys, as I said about taking responsibility, I'm not even necessarily talking about us corporately. I'm talking about you individually. Making a decision. That you're going to do whatever it takes to be equipped for what God has called you to. We don't need any more excuses, right? We've, we've all had plenty of them, been full of them. The church in America has been full of excuses. Guys, no more excuses. It's time. It's time to stretch. It's time to grow. If you're part of the Harvest family, or even if you're not, maybe you're here and you're not part of the Harvest family, you just watch online, or whatever it may be, join a community group. Join an equipping class. Begin digging into God's word. Pray like you have never prayed before. I will tell you, it's not an accident that you were born at this time in history. You may wish you were born at a different time in history. But it's not an accident. You're here for a reason. You have purpose. And God wants to use you to do things that you can't begin to imagine. Will you step into it? It is a new season. And we've got to stop resisting. And we've got to make a change. The alarm is blaring, right? Don't you love the alarm in the morning? The alarm's been going off for a while. It's time to get off of our duff. It's time to wake up, quit sleeping. It's time to be revived. It's time to seek after and hunger after God like never before. So as I've said the last two weeks, we are going to fine-tune everything that we do as a family here at Church of the Harvest to make sure that each of us 
as much as you will allow, are equipped and ready to accomplish the work that God has called you to. And I will continue next week. The question I ended with the last two weeks is, who's ready? And that's about the response I got. No. <laughs> Guys, can you see it? Am I speaking the truth? We've got to make a change. It's time for the church to truly be a shining beacon of hope in the world. You can't change the church until you start with yourself. Amen? I'm going to start singing some man in the mirror again. I better stop that. I'll continue next week. Let's stand up. Let me invite the worship team up as we close. We love you, Miss Marianne. And God loves you. And he sees you right now. And he is so proud of what you're doing in your life and where you're going. You have come so far. He has not forgotten about you. He loves you so much. And he's got you. He's got you. Feel his embrace. He's never stepped away for a second. Lord, I thank you for where you have brought your church at this time in the history of the world. The point where we find ourselves in the story. <laughs> One day there's going to be an addendum made to the story. <laughs> and it's going to write about those years just before the book of Revelation. God, we thank you that we get to be a part. We think that you have, chose, you have chosen us to be born at this time in history. That we can let your light shine. That we can truly be the hope of the world. Not because of anything great in us. It's all because of you. It's all because of you. Lord, I pray that every time people in our sphere of influence look at us, Lord, let them see right through us and let them see Jesus. Shine, Jesus, shine. Shine through me. Guys, make that your prayer. Chase after discipleship. Let's grow up and become the mature believers that God called us to. He has so many things he's waiting for us to do. If you're here and you don't know Jesus, maybe you recognize that you've prayed a prayer to receive Jesus before, but you, you would say, you know what? He's not shining through me. My life looks more the opposite. know that I need to make a change. Is there anybody in this place 
that would say, I need to dedicate or, or rededicate my life to Jesus today. I need to get things serious. Anybody here? Lift your hand. Let me see. Anybody in this place? Come on, guys. Okay. Anybody else? You may be watching online. And I'm talking about things like the church rising. Time for the church to rise. And you would say, I don't even know if I'm part of that. I don't know if I died today. I don't, I don't know if I'd be welcome into the arms of the Father or if I'd find myself in hell. You can make a change right now. And I just encourage you to humble yourself. Recognize God for who he is. He loves you so much that he sent his only beloved son to take your punishment, to take your judgment so that you could come back into his loving arms. The Bible says that we repent, we turn from our ways, and we confess Jesus as Lord. Confessing Jesus as Lord is, is not a simple three or four word phrase. It means you change your life and you follow him. Your life confesses that Jesus is Lord. This isn't a one-time thing, guys. You choose, Jesus, you're Lord of my life, and I'm going to follow you to the end. And he will walk with you, and he will give you strength when you seem to have none, and he'll pick you up when you fall. And he'll whisper in your ear, and he'll give you direction, and he'll encourage you, and he'll tell you that we've got this. If you need to make that change, I just encourage you. Just pray with us. Say, Heavenly Father, I recognize I am lost and alone. I've lived my life for my own self, for my own desires, chasing my own dreams, doing things my own way. And I'm still lost and alone. So today, Father, I repent of my sinful ways. I choose to turn from them and make a change. I'm going to follow after you. And Jesus, I thank you for what you did. And because of it, I do confess with my mouth today that you are Lord of my life. And my life will declare that with every breath I take from this point onward. for being my Lord. Thank you for loving me. Holy Spirit, fill me and empower me to be everything you called me to be. And I'll follow you to the end. In Jesus' name. Amen. If you'd like to get more information about resources from Church of the Harvest, please check out our website at midsouthharvest.org. You may also contact us by phone at 662-890-1573 or toll free at 
383-8277. You won't know what I'm